This is With You in the Weeds. Do you ever find yourself stuck in between what you know to be true and what you actually experience? Or the difference between where you are and where you want to be? Well, if so, you're in the weeds. And like weeds, those tough places keep coming back. I'm Lynn Rausch. And I'm John Tennant. As counselors, Lynn and I deal with those weeds all the time. Together, we designed this podcast because we want to be with you in those weeds, kind of like God desires to be with us. Hmm. Now, that idea will change everything. So we hope you'll listen in and let us be with you in the weeds. Let's get started. Well, welcome to With You in the Weeds. Uh, This is a podcast where we have honest conversations about spiritual and mental health with seasoned counselors and pastors. And I'm Lynn Rausch. I'm a licensed professional counselor. And today I am joined by Austin Connor. Austin, tell us a little bit about you. Yeah. Hey, I'm really glad to be here. I have been working for our church for about 14 years now, eight of them as a pastor. Uh, I got my degree as a pastor and I didn't get enough pain the first time. So I went back for another degree and that's a degree to be a counselor. So I'm finishing that up now and uh, working at the church, seeing clients as well. Um, My wife, uh, Polly, she's got her own online business. We've got three kiddos and life's crazy and Life is busy right now for you. (laughs) That was an understatement. Anyway, but uh, but I'm honored to to be here with you guys and be on this podcast um, and with all of our listeners. Yeah. And then another important person that's joining us today is my husband, Shay Roush. Yes. The lesser half. The lesser. Ooh. Yeah. That's that's very Christian of you, (laughs) (laughs) Meaning me. You married up? Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Oh, well, that's sweet. Well, thank you. Yes. And Shay, you're a pastor. How long have you been pastoring? Oh, a long, long time. 30 years, something like that. And was in college ministry before that. And and so, yeah, I've been around a long, long time. Yeah, that's great. Well, you guys, today we are getting started on our series called Managing Your Emotions. And in the last episode, John and I gave an overview of how to understand your emotional dashboard. And we used the analogy of lights on the dashboard of your car. They're lights that signal us when something is wrong under the hood. Yeah, I I like to think I'm a visual image guy. I just kind of like to think of emotions as lights on these dashboards on a spaceship. You know, so if you blast it off and you're in space and you hear this, uh oh, something's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you think of yourself as being on a spaceship? I'm curious about that. Uh, no. See, that's the thing. I, I want nothing to do with that, but it's just in my own mind. <laughs> but I mean, right. You can imagine you've seen the space movies, something, the alarm goes off. And if we ignore that, uh, things are not going to go well. And anxiety uh, is like one of those lights on the dashboards. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's telling us that there's a problem going on. And when you first see it, you know, that, that, that light, it's scary and it's intimidating. Um, but in the end, it's actually a good thing because it lets you know something is not right and something needs exploring. And I think what that dashboard light of anxiety is pointing us to is that there's something else going on. And if we ignore that, it's not going to go well. Mm-hmm. Don't uh, modern cars with computers and stuff like that tell us exactly what's wrong these days? <laughs> like, right? do they speak to you? Yeah, yeah no, don't they tell you exactly that like, you wow. know, like your brakes are a problem? Or I mean, we, we drive old cars. I wouldn't know that. <laughs> 
And right, some of our cars. My car doesn't talk to me. It has engine light on constantly. Is that a problem? <laughs> but it doesn't really tell you what the problem is. Just the engine light is constantly on. And so, um, you know, when our uh, lights are on our dashboard, we have to do a little bit of self-reflection and self-examination mm-hmm. to figure out what is wrong. Yeah, we're old school. Like we, we've got the light that's going off and then we need to like dig deeper. It's not going to actually tell us. Yeah. So with that in mind, um, we have three goals for this series on managing your emotions. And the first one is just to simply help you understand what these emotions are and what they mean. And then secondly, we want to help you be able to recognize when, where, how, and why they show up in your life. In other words, we want you to become consciously aware of them And learn to notice them and pay attention to them because, like you said, Austin, if we ignore them, it's at our own peril, right? And so um, the third thing we want to help people do is just to know what to do next. Now, we know they're there. We can't ignore them. So how do we process them, manage them? How do you move through them so that you don't get paralyzed by them? So we are starting with a big one today, and we're going to be discussing anxiety, okay? And our listeners voted on this as their top priority. We also actually polled our church staff and asked them what topics they'd want to learn more about. And guess what? Anxiety was at the top of the list. And so simply put, we're starting with anxiety because it's one of, if not the most, pressing mental health concern of our day, and we want to address it. Yeah. In fact, uh, statistics say that... uh anxiety disorders in the United States is the number one mental health problem mm-hmm. among women. And it, it ranks as the second among men right behind alcohol and drug wow. abuse. And in fact, probably the alcohol and drug abuse is because of their anxiety. Mm-hmm. Right? I was talking with a guy the other day and he was saying it seemed like in his company more and more people are using drugs to start the day to help get them through their work day, right. probably because wow. of the yeah the anxiety and the the stress that uh, they face. So, you know, either yourself or someone you know mm-hmm. that deals with this. Yeah, for sure. So let's just start with what is anxiety, um, and it's pretty simple. But basically, anxiety is a physiological state of uneasiness, distress, or dread. It's Basically, it's your brain and your body's way of telling you that there's a problem that needs to be solved. And that's pretty much it. So that part is simple. But where things get more complex is when we try to get to the root cause of our anxiety. And the reality is, is that the potential root causes of anxiety are endless. And they're actually different for everyone um, because what creates distress And my body could be different than what's creating distress in your body. But, I mean, it could really range from anything from, you know, you have fluctuating hormones, you have a thyroid issue going on, maybe you have a poor diet, you you just aren't taking care of yourself very well and it's showing up as anxiety. Um, Of course, people have financial and job stressors. Um, There's also a, a genetic predisposition, I think, you know, if you have parents or grandparents where there's a history of generalized or anxiety or panic disorder. Um, Other root causes could be, you know, you've had trauma in your past that you haven't addressed and it's showing up later in your life. Um, A lot of times we see with clients just a, a lack of boundaries, right? So you aren't putting good boundaries in place. And so all these things are ending up on your plate that 
you're not actually responsible for, but you feel responsible for. Um, so there, again, the list is endless, but we all have dealt with or, or maybe are dealing with anxiety. And the thing is, is that a small amount of anxiety is actually healthy or normal. You know, it's it's not like we're trying to get to zero and just flatline everybody. If you have anxiety, it means you have a pulse, you're breathing, you're alive. So in some <laughs> right. sense, <laughs> right. that's a good thing, right? Yeah. We don't want the yeah. bottomized people. That's no. not what we want. <laughs> yeah, no. Exactly. And let's, let's be honest, if you're running with the bulls in Pamplona, you, you should be just a little bit anxious. Right. right? Yeah, something's wrong. <laughs> I mean, there's a, there's a healthy anxiety or worry or fear uh, in, in your life that comes, right? When you're in danger or, mm-hmm. or maybe even a family member is in For danger. Sure. Yeah. But But, you know, Lynn, I, I would also say, I think another root cause of our anxiety and, you know, later on and maybe in another episode, I'm going to talk about the spiritual causes. But um, I think more and more today, it's it's just simply the root cause is change. I mean, I was reading uh, that researchers speculate that in the United States, just think about this, how much our environment and our society has changed. Mm-hmm. Maybe more over the last 30 years than the last 300 Wow. I, I mean, think about what's changed. Um, technology, uh, the Internet, uh, warnings about climate change, uh, war, uh, terrorist attacks. We just went through, uh, what, three years of a, of a global pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there, these changes and these new threats bombard our lives mm-hmm. every day. And they come in through social media. They come to us on our, on our smartphones. Yeah. And so we barely have time to process one crisis until, mm-hmm. right, we get through it and then another thing comes onto our phone and we're having to deal with that. And um, I, I think we're living in a time that's really, in some sense, kind of weird in, in, in that all these crises and, and we're so in touch with everything going on in the world that's bad mm-hmm. that we're really in some sort of unhealthy state and it's not sustainable. Um, so it's no wonder why anxiety is such a, a huge problem today. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. You know, the other piece really briefly, um, Lynn, you said something earlier about how um, the potential root causes are endless and different for everyone. Something mm-hmm. that's been true of me. I tend to think and evaluate, is my anxiety justified? So I think, mm. should I be anxious about this? No, mm. I shouldn't. Does this qualify? This. Does it <laughs> yeah. qualify? Yeah. And I understand that. And what's really difficult is that makes me more anxious. The fact that I have anxiety mm. about that anxiety. Sure. And so what's been helpful for me is to really think about, let's take, let's take the right and wrong hat off mm-hmm. and let's put the real hat on. You know, what's been helpful for me to start to say, what is actually making me anxious? Yeah. And let's start there. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad you said that. The other thing uh, I'd say, let's moving forward. You know, we're talking about what is anxiety we're thinking about these things. Let's think about four principles. Again, there's so many ways to talk about this, but that's what mm-hmm. we want to do. Think four principles of anxiety. Here's the first. Anxiety is by and large future oriented. Mm. I mean, if you think about it, we get anxious about that upcoming test, the surgery, the work presentation, the meeting with the teachers at school. You know, if something happened in the past that didn't go well, we get anxious that it might happen again in the future. Mm-hmm. And our brains, you know, the way we're wired, we want to predict the future and we want to know what's coming because that'll be safer. Yeah. Um, you know, one of my professors in seminary, she told us that when she sees people's anxiety in counseling sessions, she stops and she says, oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Where'd you go? You're down the street and around the corner. <laughs> You're down the street and around the corner. Your mind has left the building. That's exactly <laughs> right. And her point mm-hmm. is they, 
they would parachute out of the present moment and begin thinking about the future. Mm-hmm. And so that's just one of the piece. And the first principle is that anxiety is primarily future oriented. Yeah, that's a great perspective to have and keep in mind. Um, the second principle about anxiety that I wanted to mention is just that anxiety is experienced on a spectrum. Austin, earlier you said sometimes I question, you know, is what I'm feeling legitimate um, or maybe it's not as bad as what someone else has gone through. And so I like to think of anxiety on the spectrum. And um, if if you're not driving and you have a piece of paper and a pen, this this might be helpful for you. If you just drew a line straight across the paper and on one end of the spectrum, maybe on the left side, you'd put normal worries of life. Okay. You know, will I make a friend at school? Am I doing well at my job? Is my boss happy with me? Am I going to get dinner ready in time for, you know, the holidays with guests arriving? You know, these are normal worries about life. And so all of us are going to experience those. And I would put those on the far left end of the spectrum. Shay would put running with the bulls at Plan Plan. That'd be normal as well. Put that <laughs> is on the that spectrum. normal? For yeah. Yeah. Anxiety is my cardio. Yeah, that's, right. just yeah, that's it true. Just, it keeps me thin. <laughs> Other people have to work out. But, just a uh, constant burn. Just a constant. Just gets anxious. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So those basic worries, just uh, even maybe about money or being alone or, you know, going to see the doctor, everybody is going to experience these things. But when it, when worries turn into anxiety is when you constantly feel on edge, you're irritable, Maybe you don't feel safe no matter you where you go. And and now we're moving further down that spectrum. So now you're, you know, following that line further to the right. And and you may even start to notice like an inner distress that interferes with your normal routines. And maybe you start avoiding people and avoiding situations. And that's where we're kind of getting into what I would call social anxiety, mm-hmm. where you start to feel really self-conscious and you second guess yourself or you're fixated on what others might be thinking about you. I would say as a clinician, I saw social anxiety rise significantly uh, with the pandemic and with having to be isolated and then coming back into public settings. I think that was huge for people. But if you keep going further down that spectrum, um, maybe you're starting to experience like obsessive thoughts that you ruminate on and it feels like it's this loop or this carousel in your head that that you can't get off of. And these are unwanted, they're intrusive, but you feel like you can't control them. Or maybe to try and control them, you have to do a specific behavior to make them go away, at least temporarily. And this is what we would call OCD or obsessive compulsive disorder. And then if you keep going down that end of the spectrum, now we're getting into where we may even experience panic attacks, which are really debilitating. And really, literally, your brain thinks you're dying. It's very scary. It's very, very intense, very terrifying. And and as you keep moving down all the way to that right end of the spectrum, now we might be at like what we would call PTSD, okay, um, post-traumatic stress disorder. And this is characterized by being on high alert. Maybe you have this painful memory looping in your head. Um Maybe you even have to, your, your body is in such distress, you literally have to disconnect from reality and almost dissociate. So hopefully this spectrum has been helpful for you because you can start to reflect on yourself, reflect on your feelings and see where you might fall on that spectrum. Yeah, I think that's really good. So I think what we're saying here on that spectrum, that which leads to the third principle, and that is um, 
about anxiety, and I, th- I really think this is important to understand, is that in some sense, anxiety is a normal part of life. Mm-hmm. Okay, when we think about this theologically or biblically, it, it, it's not sinful uh, in and of itself mm-hmm. to experience anxiety. It, it's an emotion. Yeah. Um, so we all have certain anxiety at different points. But I, I think the bigger issue is, is, and we've mentioned this, is that when there's a low level of anxiety full time, then that's something to pay attention to. Maybe there's a deeper issue in our lives that's going on, um, kind of like that that car dashboard that has the light, you know, that we were talking about that wouldn't turn off. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if 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 you've grown up in church, um, maybe you're a, a, a believer. You know, we've been taught, right? You've maybe heard this that the Christian life is supposed to be a, what this life of peace mm-hmm. and, and tranquility. And so when we feel anxious. Um, we kind of feel guilty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you mentioned this, Austin, about feeling uh, anxious. And, and didn't Paul say these words in Philippians 4, 6, um, maybe one of the most highlighted passages in all of the Bible, and you know, you, you see this verse on refrigerator magnets, but he said, he said, be anxious for nothing. Well, well does Paul really think that we're never going to be anxious? Mm. Well, I, I would say not exactly. In, in other words, he, he wrote that phrase. It's in the present active tense, just to get kind of down in the weeds with you a little bit, which implies that it's an ongoing state. In, in other words, it's the life of perpetual anxiety that Paul wants us to address. And, and I think Jesus said the same thing when he said, he said in, in Luke, he said, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down what by the anxieties of life. Mm-hmm. And, and and so anxiety, it, Jesus doesn't want us to get weighed way down. Anxiety might be this blinker that there's a problem going on in your life spiritually that something is amiss. And God doesn't want us to be weighed down by that anxiety. Uh, someone once said, and I really like this, he said, the presence of anxiety is un- unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is optional. And I think that's mm-hmm. what Jesus and I think that's what Paul are talking about. I like that. That's really good. Yeah. S- sounds like, and I mean, you might have said this clear at some point, anxiety is not a sin in and of itself. Mm-hmm. It's right. an emotion. It's an automatic right. response. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's so great. I, I Man, that even now just makes me feel a little bit lighter. <laughs> Seriously, I'm so <laughs> a glad. More normal. A yeah. more normal. Sure. Um, fourth and final principle about anxiety. It's a physiological bodily response. You know, God made us as embodied creatures, beings, and we have a central nervous system and we have brains that are all connected. And simply put in the face of of a threat, something we don't feel like is safe, our brains and our bodies let us know when something's wrong. It's a dashboard. And when we have that sense that something is wrong, we've got systems hardwired in us that activate in the face of a threat. And one of those systems that comes online is called the sympathetic nervous system. Think of this as like the accelerator on the car. And when this comes online, pedal to the metal, and our body either goes into fight mode, we're going to take this head on, or flight mode, we're going to run away from it. When that happens, our adrenal glands that we have, they start pumping cortisol and adrenaline and other chemicals through our body that gives us a shot of energy. You know, the blood rushes from our extremities to our core because our body believes we're going to need all the blood we have For this threat, our heart starts beating faster, our mind starts racing, and we can't calm down. 
And the greater the perceived threat, the greater and the more intense that nervous system, the sympathetic nervous system response. And so there's so much more to say, but at this point, it's enough just to say anxiety is also a physiological and bodily response to that perceived threat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, one thing I explained to my clients is every emotion that we have has a corresponding physiological sensation. Mm-hmm. And so slowing down, paying attention, noticing the signals on the dashboard is actually going to involve noticing what's happening in your body and where you're feeling that. Because like you said, our our bodily responses are part of the cues that's telling us that that something is wrong and something is off. So yeah, um, with that understanding, let's talk a little bit about when does anxiety show up? Because I think a lot of times people are just not you know, Shay, your comment, anxiety is my cardio. I think we're just so used to living in maybe a perpetual state of anxiety that we've never slowed down to really consider what's beneath that and what we might um, need to become more consciously aware of so that we can deal with it. And one of the first things that I would say um, that I've noticed in my own life, but with clients as well, is that anxiety is going to often show up when we feel we have lost control. I think this is so Mm. huge. Um, You know, we have a lot going on in our lives, but our anxiety is going to go through the roof if things are happening in our life that we didn't get to choose or that we didn't get to decide, right? Suffering happens. Trauma happens. um, Illness comes our way. I mean, there are things that we are asked to deal with it were not our choice. And God has wired us to be autonomous creatures and to have a degree of authority and autonomy and choices in our life. And so it certainly is going to bring up fear and anxiety when things are happening that are feel like we're spinning out of control with it. Um, in fact, I have a good friend uh, right now whose life stressors are currently just like beyond what I, I think of one person can handle. In the last year, her husband was diagnosed with cancer and recently had surgery to remove a large tumor. Um, he's recovering from that. She has two children that have special needs that are demanding of her time and attention. She's caring for her aging parents and she's having her own health issues and she's about to have surgery next week. And there are just so many things happening in her world right now that feel out of control that it's normal to expect that she's experiencing some of the physiological symptoms, Austin, that you talked about, chest pain, headache, not sleeping well at night, her hair is falling out. Like our bodies are going to respond to all of these stressors. And and these are times that uh, we need to pay attention to it, notice it, and maybe when we need to actually take more care of ourselves, right, because they are having a bodily effect. Right. And so if, if we look at this secondly on in terms of spiritual signs of anxiety, okay, so if if we've made the premise that or stated that that anxiety in of itself is is not sin, okay, but it but it might reveal something else deeper that's going on in our hearts that is a problem. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's what we've established. And so um perhaps one of the signals that that is happening in our lives is we're just kind of off spiritually, right? Like when we notice, we, we, we get anxious about things when we're not really trusting God um, with our lives. Uh, we, 
when we begin to believe lies about God, that he's not in control of our lives, mm-hmm. that he's not sovereign, that our lives are kind of spinning out of control. Well, uh, when we think that about God, when we believe those lies, what do we do? We stop praying. Um, we maybe begin to question God's love for us. Um, and, and so I, I think our view of who God is in the midst of our anxiety is so important. Um, when we think that we can't trust him, when we think that he's not in control, um, that's when anxiety uh, happens in our lives. But I think there's some other signals I might mention. You know, think about your life. Do, do you notice yourself becoming increasingly negative and critical? Uh, mm-hmm. That might be a signal or a sign that that ang- your anxiety has become a problem in your mm-hmm. life. Or uh, do you assume the worst is going to happen? Um, do you magnify the negative and kind of dismiss the positive? I mean, that's me in a nutshell, right? That thing, you should put that on my I on wasn't going to say anything, right? but thanks for Never confessing. can see the, the positive in something. Or do, you know, kind of you talked about, do we want to avoid people the rest of our lives? Mm-hmm. The, these, these are signals. <laughs> Just lock that, yourself right. in your Is it bedroom. wrong to say that sounds pretty good right about Pull now? Pull up the covers. <laughs> right. I mean, we're all feeling that a little bit. Yeah. But yeah. That, those are signals that are flashing that maybe we've become a little mm. bit of a as we, as we mentioned, a, a prisoner of our anxiety. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's really good. So first sign, anxiety shows up, loss of control. Mm-hmm. Shay, you just talked about the spiritual signs. The third and final kind of, we'll call it a category or sign, there's some relational signs. Mm-hmm. You know, anxiety can arise at the prospect of relational disconnection. Mm-hmm. There's an author and psychologist named Kurt Thompson, and he, he wrote about one of his books called The Soul of Desire, four needs that every person has that need to be seen, need to be soothed, and need to be safe, and need to be secure. And he also has this great line. He said, you know, we were made to feel felt, not -hmm. just to feel things, but to sense that someone else feels them with us. Mm -hmm. And I think scripture confirms this, you know, in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 1 and 2, there was only one thing that was not good. You know, God said it is not good for man, for people to be alone. And so why this is relevant, it means that anxiety can show up at the prospect of not receiving the relational connection that mm. we were made for in some That's way. huge, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so if and when we're worried that we won't be taken seriously or we won't be heard or we won't be valued or we're going to say the funny joke and then people are going to think it's stupid and tell us to go away, our anxiety rises to the surface because we're worried that we're not going to be seen. We're not going to feel felt. We're not going to be respected and valued. Mm -hmm. And what I hope everybody hears and what I need to hear is that is normal. That's a normal thing to feel anxiety Mm -hmm. at the prospect of relational disconnection. So that's, that's one piece of it. I'm curious what Mm -hmm. else comes to mind when you think about, you know, some of the relational signs of anxiety. Yeah. And I think this is a big one because this is a big reason why people come to counseling. Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, um, you know, broken relationship with a parent. It's something going on in their marriage where mm-hmm. they're, they're, they aren't connecting with their spouse. They're lacking um, healthy connection with friends and with people in their lives. I mean, that that's huge. Um, but another way that I've seen it often show up is like if you're in, a, in an abusive relationship where there's been betrayal or broken trust, um, our bodies sense these things and, and it shows us the physical signs of this anxiety. If it's become a really unhealthy 
or damaging or toxic relationship. And like you mentioned earlier, Austin, with how our bodies react, um, we can have headaches, we can have back pain, we can have our heart racing. And, and these are signals that is telling us that something is wrong relationally. And again, like you said, it, you know, maybe it's just a fear that we're bringing and it's just our own fear. Like there's no real grounding in that. Um, but sometimes those signals are telling us, you know, there's something really critically wrong here. And, and um, I've even noticed that with women sometimes before they even have found out that there was a betrayal of trust in the relationship, their bodies have been telling them that mm. for a while. They haven't been sleeping well. They're having all those kind of PTSD signs, but they didn't even have the facts yet. So our bodies pick up those clues much more quickly and they're processed um, in the form of those physiological sensations. And so um, these are just some of the reasons why being in tune with your body, knowing what's happening, paying attention to the lights on the dashboard are so, so important. So hopefully we've given you a greater awareness of just what it means when that anxiety light is going off on your emotional dashboard. We want you to be aware of this because our hope is, as we move forward, is that we want to help you be able to manage the weeds of anxiety, okay? Because guess what? They're not going away. Mm-hmm. Like, we, mm-hmm. we want to fix it. We want to go, let's rip out the weeds, smooth, perfect grass, smooth sailing, you know, forward. But it is a part of life. And Jesus talks about, like, the thorns and thistles and troubles of life. They're not going away. And our goal is to be with you in that and to also bring you into relationship with Jesus who is with us in the weeds. It's, It's interesting, you know, Jesus didn't come and like rip all the weeds out and leave us with a perfectly manicured garden. But he said, I will be with you in your troubles. Lynn, I'm glad you said that. Something that comes to my mind, I tell people all the time, I would love it if you were never anxious ever again. That'd be great. Mm. But we're not there yet. So what are we going to do? We need to be reminded, like you said, that Jesus is with us. And Mm -hmm. we got to be reminded that there are other actual people to walk through this with us. Yeah. Maybe simply put, you know, the fact that people come to counseling, I tell them, I'm so glad you're here that you get to share this with another person because we can't do this by ourselves. I'm sure you've seen that too, Shay, as a pastor. I, I have. Yeah. We, we, um, we, we need, definitely need others, right? We weren't meant to be alone. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm looking forward, you know, next episode, we're going to be talking about, okay, let's look at the heart mm-hmm. and where, you know, what is the heart telling us? Because maybe our anxiety is pointing us to something that has gone amiss in our heart, that we're valuing something in life mm-hmm. way too much. And therefore we get anxious about it because, Um, whatever that is, it it might be a good thing, but it's replaced God. And so Mm -hmm. we're going to look at the solutions. How do we manage our anxiety in the next episode? I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait to find out what we're going to say. Yep. (laughs) Part two is going to be how to manage the weeds of anxiety. So we hope you'll stay with us and join us next time. So thanks for being with us in the weeds today. Hey, thanks for giving us your valuable time and allowing us to be with you in the weeds of your life. We want this resource to bring you hope and help bridge the gap between where you are and where you want to be. You can find our email on our podcast page. We'd be interested to know what you'd like to hear more of. Until next time, remember, God is with you in the weeds.